0: Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we are finishing up Parshas Balak. This is Balak Shvi'i the 7th Aliyah. It is 21 Pesuk long, from Perik Chof Daled to Chof Hei Tes. The main idea in our, our parasha is Bilam's advice and the outcome of that advice. The basic summary first and then a few points to ponder. First we hear that Bilam. He explains that he's going back to his people, but he will, is willing to give advice, dispense advice about what will happen to the peoples at the end of days. And he talks that these are very complicated, so to understand, require a lot of mephoreshim. We don't have the time in a very short summary to address all of the details, but just generally speaking, he talks about, as he is seeing things through a person with a blind eye, some iron, and he talks about the, he is a person who sees the Word of God. He now describes first of all the future of Israel. He says, "Darach there's going to be this star which comes out of Israel, a ruler coming out of, uh, out of Israel, and Jacob, which will smite more than the children of Sheis, which means all the nations who come out of Sheis, the child of Adam. And he talks about Edom who will be inherited, and so we will say And then he talks about a ruler who will come out of Yaakov. So that seems to be the area that talks about um, B'nai Israel. Then he talks about Amalek being the first of the nations. That means the first nation to attack Israel. Now they'll, they'll be completely destroyed at the end of time. And then he talks about the Canaan. The Canaan seem to be the children of Yisrael. And they live very close to Amalek. Yisro and Amalek seem to always appear back to back in Tanakh in multiple areas. Worthwhile looking at homework and working out where else the, that the Yisro and the Amalekim appear um, in close proximity to one another as two models of nations relating to, the Israel, uh, to Israel from the outside. And he describes how ultimately they'll be taken from their cleft in the rock, from their place where they're protected um, and to be destroyed by Assyria. And then he has a a very enigmatic line about Assyria, how is uh, no one will escape Assyria's control, Ashur. Okay, and then off he goes, and he goes back to his place. Very complicated and you know, deep, deep words, which require a lot of work on. But then we hear a story. The narrative continues. Israel is dwelling in a place called Shittim, and they're, 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 the men start going astray after the daughters of Moab. The young ladies call them to, uh, to eat of their sacrifices, and finally they bow down to them, and they became very connected by Yitz-Medulah Baal-Peor, and start serving this Baal um, in this way of Peor, and it's a very bad time. Hashem gets angry with the people. Moshe commands the nation of Israel to take their lead, the leaders who are leading this cause of um, terrible corruption and hang them to the east by the sun so that, that it could stop the anger of Hashem. It seems like a plague is spreading, at which point one man comes in, in front of Moshe with a Midianite woman at the entrance of the Moed. everybody's is crying. Pinchas uh, sees this. He takes a spear and he kills both the man and the Midianite woman. And the plague stopped and the plague has consumed 24,000 people. Very enigmatic, so a few basic points to ponder. We're gonna look at three basic questions here. Question number one. What is all this talk about the, uh, the uh, you know the leaders of the Jews that Bilam is talking about? The future he sees these leaders. What's going on here? So the Rambam in Peri Yehudei says that we're referring to two stages in Jewish history. One is in the in the times of David Amelach, the first king of Israel, who's able to bring all of Israel together under one king, who's able to expand the borders of Israel. That's what is referred to, and every half of pasuk is referring to David. But the other half of every pasuk is referring to the Melach Hamashiach, who's also a child. Of David, a scion of the house of David, who will in the future bring Mashiach as well. So, therefore, the Ramah um, uh, points out. Um, I see him but not now, that's David. I gaze upon him but not close, Zeh Melech Darach draw a staff from Jacob, that's David. And Komi me Israel, and there's going to be a ruler or a staff from Israel, So he goes on to explaining each or half passage, referring to these two, these two entities. It is worthwhile noting that the Ramam continues that that is the reason, by the way, that when a man by the name of Shimon Um, Became um, started fighting against the Romans in the year 130 common era, he became known as Shimon Bar Kochba. Some call him Bar Koziva, which means the son of falsehood because he was a false messiah. But it says that Rabbi Akiva actually himself volunteered to be the the arms bearer for this Shimon Bar Kochba. And the reason why it was called Shimon Bar Kochba was based on this pasuk of Dorach Koychov Miyakov, a star is taken out of Jacob, referring to the Melech Moshiach, believed at the time that Bar Kokhba was in fact the Mashiach, Bar Kokhba retook Yerushalayim, reinstated Jewish sovereignty for a few years before the Romans crushed that rebellion. So it, uh, there wa- there's a lot to be talked about in terms of looking to the future and sometimes these Psukim can give us a hint as to what the future looks like and sometimes can be corrupted by others who want to use them to express the, uh, to express the ideas they want to, what the Mashiach should look like as well. Now. How are these two stories connected? How is the, pro- the, the advice about the end of days related to the next story, which is this whole episode of the Daughters of Moab? So Rashi explains, based on the Gomorrah in, in the end of Sanhedrin, that this was the advice of Bila. He says, Hashem, their God, hates immorality, and it makes a lot of sense because immorality, licentious relationships, is a social expression of a lack of commitment a lack of commitment to marriage vows a lack of commitment to posterity to yeah, and uh, to being chased and therefore, that is a reflection of a lack of commitment when it comes to Hashem, which is the human God relationship of commitment. So, what he does is he encourages Balak to take advantage of that, and that's what Balak, that's what Balak does by sending the daughters of Moab to seduce the people of Israel. He was ultimately capitalizing on this this weakness because of how much Hashem doesn't appreciate it. Now, just to be 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 clear as to what's going on over here, the Midrash Rabbah gives us uh, uh, quite graphic details that. that it wasn't just you know that that you know people didn't have control. What would happen was is that they were neighbor, they were the nation of Israel were on the border of Moab, and um, and they would go to the marketplace. They needed to buy foods. So they went into Moab to to buy. And when they would go to the marketplace, what they did was the following: they set up these uh, these um, and these stores, and uh, and uh, um, and these stores would be very fancy stores with all kinds of things. And they'd have an elderly lady sitting on the outside. And um, and uh, and they would the elderly lady would say, oh, come, there's good wares here. You can buy whatever you want, and all kinds of you know imported goods which you can't get hold of. They would go into the store. Inside the store, there there there, there would be a, a a a young lady dressed up in a seductive way, and she would seduce the man and give you know f- uh, free merchandise. And there would be wine there on the bed, and she would seduce the man, um, and then. At which point in time, when he came under her control, um, she would say, well, um, we only we uh, can only continue this relationship if you will serve this little you know avodah zarah. This is this is the way it works here, and so it became this uh, this breaking of boundaries, and it started off you know people just going shopping, and that's how how it went. That's the way the ba describes this and that was the advice of Bilam, which was very successful in taking many many people astray. It's also very important to notice that avodah zarah and um, adultery or um, this immorality are are clearly di- directly connected here because the one leads to the other perhaps the one might be the reason of the other but it's uh, nonetheless it's it's sort of a lack of throwing off any form of commitment. Um, Finally last question is what is the argument of this man It's very enigmatic this whole episode Moshe Rabban is killing the leaders and then this man comes in front of the oil moid we don't hear what he says we don't even know who he is so well, it seems like this, the sequence of events based on the Gomorrah in Sanhedrin, pay Beis, Amod aleph to Amod Bez is the following. And there's a lot of subtext here, which is important to understand. And that is that when Israel started being seduced um, by the nation of Moab and their people are now committing immorality and avodah Zarah, at this point in time, uh, Hashem gets angry and a, pra- a plague starts spreading among the people, which forces Moshe Rabbeinu to go um, kill the leaders of this. At which point in time, the leader of the tribe of Shimon, a man the name by the name of Zimri ben Salu, um, feels this is unjust, this, this is not fair, that these people are dying because of this. And he goes and he grabs a Midianite princess, whose name is Cosby, and she, he grabs her and takes her in front of Moshe Rabbeinu and he says tell me, Moshe is it forbidden to have a relationship with this young lady? And if you tell me no, then can you explain to me how it is that you married a Midianite woman, Zipporah, yourself? Now the difference was that there was before Matan Torah and this is after Matan Torah, there's multiple differences but nonetheless, he, he publicly in a certain sense challenged the divine right of there being a plague and why Moshe Rabbeinu was taking such action almost as if Moshe Rabbeinu was the aggressor in this case. Moshe Rabenu was silenced, which is why the passage describes crying because people saw that Moshe Rabbeinu was silenced by this individual and they were they were, they, they were so shocked that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't respond at which point in time Pinchas gets up and says isn't there a halacha that, that a person has a direct a public relationship with a, with a, a non-Jewess in such a case that it, uh, those who are zealots can take care of it and the, the Moshe Rabbeinu acquiesced and said it's, it's a halacha but ain't worrying one doesn't um, you know publicize or make this public policy, but that would be the halacha. At which point, Pigas took the law into his own hands in order to be able to do this. And the Gemara goes on to describe the the amount of risks that he took because he could have been killed as a Rodeif, as a person who was a pursuer. But nonetheless, he took this opportunity to silence the plague. So what you see is a fascinating thing over here, and that is is that this man, this uh, this Zimri ben Salu, wasn't just a person who was you know running after his own um, uh, personal indulgences. He was a person who felt very strongly about this being incorrect, about this whole plague being incorrect, and was challenging Moshe Rabbeinu, and in fact challenging Hashem as to why people should be punished for this, when ultimately he felt they should not be punished for it, which, which actually compounds the tragedy. This wasn't simply a material indulgence tragedy, this was also a spiritual tragedy as well, which was start by Pinchas. We'll get a little bit more into this in the next parasha, and to appreciating the significance of the heroism of Pinchas, but that leads us into the next parasha. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.